Everybody, welcome to the X Podcast. It's so good to have you with us today. However, you are listening. If you're watching on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, or wherever else podcasts are, we're just glad you're here with us. And it's a very, very special day today because we have some amazing guests, the Johnsons, Christy and Terry. No, how are you guys doing? Great, good stuff. So good. Oh my gosh, it's so good to have you guys with us here today. We go way back. Um, I, I was thinking, how what's my first memory of you guys? And I remember being at a baseball game at that little baseball field here in town off of uh, that road off of Deets. Oh, right Creek? by the church. Is that right? Yep, yeah, right by the church. For Carter's, the Winchester Warriors. Yep, yep right my little brother. Eight. eight years old. My yeah. little brother played with Brock. Yeah. And then I think we had some sort of uh, party at Sycamore Creek, the church that you guys attend. Yeah. And oh, your party. Yeah, I know, and that was, <laughs> and you guys have a frisbee golf uh, thing close to the church, right? Is used that right? To. Used, used to, to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. in the past. But that would have been 13 years ago. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> we go way back. Yeah, way back. And we haven't changed a bit in 13 years. I'm and sure. a lot has happened in 13 years. Yes. Yep. Uh, a lot for of good, sure. Not a good, a lot of bad. And um, as we have kind of been talking with some people a couple weeks ago. We had Kayla Lockhart on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You guys know Kayla really well. Mm -hmm. And she shared her story about Aiden and um, just their journey. And we've been thinking about as we go through this pandemic kind of year and a season where everything's kind of all over the place, there's a lot of different emotions we're all working through. Mm -hmm. And um, one of those questions that we feel like people are asking is, is why does God do, why does God let really hard things, (laughs) really bad things happen to us? Mm -hmm. That's and, a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> you can answer it for us. I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I think Jesus could answer that if he came down today. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, no clue on that one. I just wish he would, you know, get his microphone and tell us all right now. Oh, but yeah. something that we've all asked at some point, yeah. whatever you've gone oh, through. Yeah. Yep. And whether tragedy hits you personally, whether you've seen it from afar, um, you know, you wonder how could anybody believe in a God that allows ABC to happen? Yeah. And so we're going to get into all sorts of things today. But first, I just want to, there's, I'm sure, a lot of people on the other end of this podcast who are, um, who don't know who you are, who don't know your story. And so why don't you guys just share a little bit of background about who you are and, and what wow. you're doing now and, and what led you to this point. Yeah. yeah. So um, Terry and I started dating in high school just a little background about us so we pretty much grew up together and um, honestly had a pretty easy life most of the time we had Tucker when we were 28 Tucker's mm-hmm. the worst one of the yep. worst leaders here yep. um, and then <laughs> Tucker's right back here working doing yeah, yeah. something so. and then a couple years later we had Brock who mm-hmm. was awesome and um, really nothing abnormal I played softball up until two weeks before I had Brock um, <laughs> easy pregnancy nothing to make us think that anything was going to be wrong but at five days old um, he started breathing really fast and just a plethora of other things. We went in the hospital at five days old and was tested for all these things. We were told of all these things he possibly had. He probably wasn't going to live. Bring your family in. He's only going to live a week. And then they'd be like, okay, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. And so kind of moved along and um, he was anemic and just had some weird things. But in my opinion, it wasn't like he was super sick. Now Mm -hmm. we spent about a week every month in the hospital with these really high fevers and but still, we just kind of learned to deal with it. And then as time went on, 
he continued to have different things like and for medical people he had no b cells and you can't just give b cells mm-hmm. and so we kind of just went with the flow on things to look at him you would have no idea there's anything wrong with mm-hmm. him he <laughs> was so smart and so sweet and so cute and super athletic um competitive and he was just small so most people had no idea that brock missed you know one day of school every month to have a blood transfusion and another transfusion like every single month no one had any idea that mm-hmm. or that he'd be out for a week and they probably thought he's on vacation mm-hmm. and he was really in the hospital and we didn't really talk about it we didn't really feel sorry for ourselves we mm-hmm. didn't feel sorry for him we didn't you know we never led tucker to believe that anything was wrong or anything bad could happen to us we just kind of thought we were bulletproof which is kind of funny when you go back and think about this it's not normal to be in the hospital one day a month no. your whole life but for us it was just normal we just yeah. did it so how far along in the brock's life was it when you guys realized oh this isn't just a couple medical things we have to figure out or this is this is maybe a, a, a an issue or something we're gonna have to deal with yeah. in the prolonged I, I don't know. I mean, it, it always seemed to me like there was an answer coming. Mm. So, I mean, wow. again, we dealt with it for 14 and a half years, and I always thought, you know, somebody was going to have the answer. Uh, I remember at one point in time I got so frustrated and, and told a friend of mine, you know, I'm an Ohio State grad, and I said, look, I'd even probably take Brock to hell if they could fix him. And then yeah. Yeah. a week later we find out we're going to the University of Michigan Hospitals <laughs> in Ann Arbor to see a white blood cell specialist. I'm like, that. He looked at me and says, well, you got your wish. Yeah. So sorry if you're a Michigan fan out yeah. there. but no, I don't uh, think any Michigan fans <laughs> listen. <laughs> yeah, but, but we're glad you're here, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but we were, I was always optimistic that we were always going to find something. I mean, little, I mean, it seemed like we were always putting band-aids on big gaping wounds. Yeah. And, you know, we were trying like, this is the fix and it wouldn't be the fix. And we'd ride that for a while and then something would change and we'd have to do something mm-hmm. over. But I always thought an answer was coming. Yeah, yeah. it really started when he was probably uh, 12 and he started having stomach bleeds, which mm-hmm. were new to us. And we'd have to go in and have him banded. And, and again, we would just be like, okay, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we knew that a bone marrow transplant was somewhere in his future and we were all tested when he was about three but none of us were oddly a good match everything about brock was odd just everything (laughs) Um, everything was so odd we went to the nih which is national Institute of health the smartest doctors in the world every month for about two years and even they couldn't every month for two years two years they flew us there because he was so odd we have had complete genome sequencing of our whole family done we know a lot of things (laughs) christy is not my sister yeah we know we're not related um we know tucker's really ours and brock's because honestly are you related to any president or anything no, <laughs> we didn't get that far not no. that exciting. just Man. trying to figure out what's wrong with him and honestly like <laughs> if he didn't look so much like us i would think like maybe he was switched to the hospital who how can he have all these bizarre things out mm-hmm. of nowhere and we have tucker who's never even had an ear infection mm-hmm. yeah we are three healthy people and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden we have brock who's not mm-hmm. and we grew weird. up together I, the most thing i was worried about was being related i'm like yeah. what if we're like third cousins <laughs> and we didn't know it but we're not we cause all that problem we're right. <laughs> so um it's always nice to get that confirmed yes yeah we're good. she said most people are worried about some of the other things like <sighs> hiv testing and stuff like that i'm like nope i'm not worried about that <laughs> yeah, we're good <laughs> so uh oh anyway God. he started having stomach bleeds and then um we were brought in to talk to a new bone marrow transplant do- director and mm-hmm. i thought it was if, if it ever comes to this this is what's going to happen well lo and behold we sat there with brock for about six hours learning that it was time to do this Mm. and i was mad i don't get panicked i'm just not like that i was mad and panicked and i called everyone i could call i called the nih saying look what they want to do and they're like well we think it's time i went up to his doctor's office right his main doctor and to her and i'm like 
they want to do this and nobody would listen to my side of the story <laughs> we kept saying god close the door yeah. if this yeah. is not what it's supposed to be close the door yeah we're like insurance please don't cover it like mm-hmm. i need something something to tell me because i had no peace with it mm. no peace at all and so finally we thought we had a little bit of peace when we found out that 100 days is a big deal so if, if you can make it to 100 days then you're pretty much going to be okay for the most part after the transplant after boomer transplant, transplant after boomer transplant and so and this was how many years ago this was in 2014. Okay. But 100 days was Christmas. Oh, so wow. I was the 100 like, day mark was Christmas. Okay. It's Jesus. You remember birthday. standing in the garage when we did started doing the math and the 100 days actually landed on Christmas. We're like, well, this is it. This is God. This is the answer that we've been looking for. Yeah. This is, you know, not only is the door partially open, yeah. but it's wide open and we're coming through now. And just a little bit of context for, you know, uh, you guys have been trying to find medical solutions for now, what, 13 years? Yeah. 13, yeah. is that right? Yeah. 13 years to this point yeah it's a long time that's yeah. a that's a long time to be fighting and advocating for your son yes. you know and so here we are this thing that you guys like you said knew was in his future at some point mm-hmm. um and 13 years later you guys do all the testing doctors all the doctors are giving you the same thing and so you you're coming to the conclusion it's time to do it 100 days is christmas you guys also just again um, we just know each other so well let's make sure everybody gets to know you as well <laughs> as i i know you um but you guys are really faithful people. Mm-hmm. You know, you have been Christians for how long? For, gosh, since the 20s. <laughs> Longer than you've been alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that was one of the struggles was, uh, so I work at a church, and mm-hmm. I worked there for 21 years. Yeah. So I'm like, I there was one point where we were in the hospital when Brock was younger, and we were there so much, they would just send me down for tests. Like, they can't do that now, but before <laughs> everything was so secure. Right. They just send Brock and I down to wherever. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, this is awful Mm. like what is going on god like i'm faithful brock's faithful uh i work at a church what more do you want from me and this boy was wheeled out who had just had both of his legs amputated oh my gosh and you could still see like his bandages Mm. and i'm like all right god i got your point it could be worse oh wow (laughs) so yeah having all that perspective and and wanting just an answer and so many people praying for him Mm -hmm. because you know he was born in a church basically and so everyone prayed for him for every day for his whole entire life yeah yeah Yeah. people learned the word prayer that weren't even going to church no you know we had thousands and thousands and thousands so i mean that's just to me it was one of those you knew it was going to be a positive outcome because we've got all these people praying Mm. and what a great testimony this is going to be for god when all of a sudden you know like i have no idea what healed him but he's healed yeah and then you know we've got this great testimony for years to come of he wasn't going to be healed but now he is it had to be a god moment Mm -hmm. and what was even you know I think what moved the hearts of so many people, not only was your guys' faith, but Brock was oh. just, yeah. I mean, that kid, um, at the t- when I first met Brock, I was not, I, you know, I went to, I grew up in church, I grew up mm-hmm. Catholic, mm-hmm. but still hadn't had a moment where I'd personally, you know, mm-hmm. decided to follow Jesus, you know, and, and give him my heart. And he was somebody who, there was so much joy mm-hmm. inside of that little man that, mm-hmm. It was impossible not to be drawn to him, mm-hmm. be challenged by him. Um, I can remember stories of him being at youth group and mm-hmm. uh, sharing his faith there, him being at camps that he would go to and sharing his faith there and him baptizing his friends, you yeah. know, yeah. in the, you know, fifth grade or whatever. Like, I can just remember <laughs> these, I have these pictures in my mind of, right. mm-hmm. man, what uh, what a light that God used for so many years. Um, and so I think that, you know, the question that everybody was asking, um, and just for more context, I'm just trying to remember things that might be helpful to people listening. Um, Brock 
and Tucker went to school here in Canal and Chester. We all grew up together, mm-hmm. really. And so um, the whole community was rallied around him and yeah. you guys and not just church communities, but the community. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, it, just so many people who were like, man, I think had known you guys were Jesus followers mm-hmm. and known that Brock was a Jesus follower and maybe prayed for the first time yeah. because of him. Yeah. Yeah. I and believe that. And how many people made decisions to follow Jesus because of him before even oh, all yeah. the really tragic stuff happened. He was unapologetically full of faith. Mm. Like, if he met you and you didn't go to church, he thought that was the weirdest thing. Like, what do you mean you don't go to church? <laughs> how could you not? And so, like, not judging, but so unassuming of, you know, in him to just, to how do you not go to church and how don't you believe in Jesus? And even, you know, after he was gone, we, like, I found his Bible and I started reading some stuff I'd never seen mm. before. And the stuff he wrote, and, you know, he was not afraid of the bone marrow transplant. He mm. wrote in there, I'm not afraid of this. Um, I know God mm. has a plan for my mm. life. Just so strong, stronger than I was oh. and am yeah. <laughs> in mm. my faith. And so that was another thing where he had beat every odd. Like, we were told so many times, he won't live to be two. He won't live to be three. He won't live to be four. And somewhere along the line, we're like, we don't want to hear it. You know, yeah. we don't hear it. We don't receive it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Live yep. 10 years, then we're going to make it the best 10 years of his life, wow. which yeah. stress a lot of uh, moms out there. Because <laughs> when he's out there playing football. He played football and he had a port in his chest. And I asked the doctor, what do you do for kids that have a port in chest? She's like, well, they don't play football. <laughs> well, this one is, let's figure it out. And I had moms going, oh, what about band? I'm like, no, mm. that's just not what he wants to yeah. do. Man. <laughs> yeah, if he wanted to do band, we'd have done band, but he didn't want to. He was <laughs> sports from the get go. Yes. Yeah, it was in his in his blood. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's just for such sure. a light. Like if you met him, you remembered him. I never met anyone who didn't like him. Yeah. He was just so positive and loved everybody. Like he was such a picture of how Christ loves people, mm-hmm. even when he was younger. I mean, Tucker is such an amazing kid. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest, there were days I want to strangle him like most kids. Like yeah. a normal kid. And I yeah. would have to tell Terry that like Tucker is normal. There's something not normal about Brock. Yeah. And again, we never thought in a million years we would lose him. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, Brock, it didn't matter if he was talking to a two-year-old kid mm-hmm. or an 80-year-old man. He could just come and meet them, and everybody walked away thinking that they were best friends. And yep. it's, it's such an odd thing for an 8 and a 9 and a 10-year-old kid to have the ability to converse with, you know, an adult oh, or, yeah. a, you know, a geriatric adult at that <laughs> and just and ask them, like, very pointed mm-hmm. questions. I mean, he's just – he was wise, wise, wise and, beyond his years. You know, my uh, senior year – of high school, I think that's when I really started. I was around Brock a lot more, you know. I always was aware, and I think him and my younger brother were closer in age and did a lot more, you know, sporting activities together. But I was, he was the ball boy for our basketball team. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I played the position on the basketball team left bench. <laughs> and so I sat right next to the ball boy. And <laughs> so me and Brock had a lot of good conversations there for a while. Um, and he was with us every game. It felt like in, uh, you know, I remember him, uh, we put on a shooting shirt <laughs> and he, you know, he's, you know, because of all the stuff going on, he's probably what, four foot At something, small, yeah. you know, <laughs> Tiny. and he, uh, he had it all dangling off of him. He's got his arms, you know, flexing in that. It was at the Zanesville high school gym or something. I yeah. think oh, it yeah. was there. Yeah. Um, oh, and he did it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, I got to spend a lot of time with him and even to your point, Terry, he just, 
he was just one of the guys. Yeah. You know, here and he is. He loved you. No. <laughs> he loved he, you. He loved, um, he had a special bond with a f- several people in your yeah. class. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, like, someone would come over and I'd have to tell them at 10 30 at night, like, <laughs> well, Brock's in seventh grade, so he has a good bed. <laughs> <laughs> you guys gotta leave so he can get up in the morning. <laughs> it's so strange. I mean, yeah. just, uh, he was one of the guys, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he didn't feel like you were babysitting. Yeah. And I think that has something to do with just, man, just the mag- magnetism yeah. of, this soul who has gone through some really hard stuff. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to live his life. Yeah. Which furthers you know? the argument if he's such a bright light, why does God want to extinguish that light? Yeah. And exactly. Yes. He never felt sorry for himself. You mm. never heard him complain about anything. Like we, from the time he was little, if we passed children's hospital before he was even in school and someone was with him, he'd be like, there's my school. Or yeah. he'd wake up and be like, oh, yes, I don't have to go to school. I get to have a blood transfusion daily. <laughs> Who has that What kind is of wrong with you, kid? Who has that kind of attitude? And we made it fun. Like, yeah. oh, we spent so much time in the hospital. And I, and I tried so hard to make it fun. We would decorate mm. for Halloween if he was in there for Halloween. We would make Practical tents. jokes you did? Holy cow. We did cow. everything to make it seem like this is if we're going to go through this, it's going to be yeah, fun you guys somehow. Ran the hospital. That's right. Oh, yeah. And sure. of course, everyone loved him there as well. Yeah, so put fake cockroaches in the sink. And at one point in time, he wasn't feeling good at all, could barely get up. And the nurse comes walking back in, and like they have their computer and their mouse or whatever. And she's rolling her mouse back and forth, and it's not working. And she turns it over, and there's tape on it. And <laughs> we didn't know this. And he's like, look, like he's been in bed for like days. And Christy looked at Mark, did you put tape on her mouse? And this little smile and giggle, the smile and giggle from that oh. boy will just, I'm telling you, <laughs> that's what it's going to sound like in heaven. Forget the harps, yep. it's going to be that little giggle. Wow, that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. I just want to tell you guys even before we get into more stuff thank you so much for uh, it takes you know as people listening you can probably imagine it just takes a lot of courage to come and and share your story you guys have done this habitually over the past couple years um but you know to every time i just feel like it's worth honoring when you guys to go man this really hard experience that um even as i think about just shakes me to like my core you know to think about what now that you're a father oh Every day, yeah. you know, it was my daughter's birthday yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, there's not a there's not a day that goes by that I don't, you know, think about people like you and and the you know the the story kind of moves on and and Brock went through the bone marrow transplant and the worst happened mm-hmm. and um, and just uh, you know the most tragic of circumstances and mm-hmm. that was. At, on what day of the 100 days was it? Was it, it was past 100 past days. 100 we days. knew we knew once we hit 100 days, it probably wasn't going to be our magical day. Mm-hmm. But yeah. We were about 150 days out from yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brock like did amazing in transplant. So mm-hmm. it's hard. And you go through, they're basically wiping out your complete immune system, changing your DNA, um, and then giving you a new one from wow. someone that we didn't even really have the best match that we wanted. Like it wasn't even the perfect match, mm-hmm. but we had to do what we had to do. And so he was amazing. Like all the things that happened, he didn't do. Like, he just was great. Every day they'd be like, well, tomorrow he's probably really sick. And, mm. I mean, it wasn't, you know, a walk in the park, but compared to everything else, he was a rock star. He went mm. home in record time mm. of anyone else that, you know, had had bone marrow transplant. And then everything just started going wrong because we all have these things that live in our body that we can fight off, and he couldn't. And mm. he seemed to get every single thing. I mean, mm. we were like, we were in the hospital all the time. How is he catching things? And so it just wasn't anything that we could do about it. But still, I thought he was going to 
I, I thought he was going to you know, beat the odds. He had at one point this adenovirus and it was in his intestines and everywhere else. And they came into me and said, you know, kids don't really overcome this. And his doctor fought to get him in a trial. So off we go in an ambulance to Cincinnati and it worked. He, <laughs> he beat that. So you're like, okay, you know, there's like one thing after another that he's just beating. You just get so used to him overcoming these yeah. crazy odds. Yeah, we already knew the end of the story. Right. So when we found out he yeah. had, the, you know, it, things just went bad and he ended up nice to you. And they came in and sat with me and. I could tell all their faces changed a little bit and they said, you know, this just isn't the infection we wanted him to have. And so we knew, and I had read about it, which they tell you not to. And of course I looked it up and it was mm, bad. I'll and never forget it. Fusarium. I will never forget that name as long as I'm alive. Yeah. And I asked, they bring in the specialist. I'm like, so I just read that this is like 100% fatal and immune compromised kids. And he goes, well, we have some things we can try. And I even Facebook post and said, well, they've never met this kid. Like he's going to beat it. Mm. And Meanwhile, in, in, in the intensive care, she has Bible verses on healing and overcoming on little post-it notes. I mean, from, so these are, you know, six, eight foot tall uh, doors, mm. glass. She has them, you know, probably 150 of them all over the place. I mean, it was just definitely a place of no faith. Like everything was gloom and doom. And mm. I wasn't used to that. We, that's not how we lived our life. Mm. We were upbeat. We were positive. We made the best of everything. And you go down there and it's all so gloom and doom. And one of the doctors called me out in the hallway one day and he's like, you okay? And I said, no. I said, everything's so gloom and doom down here. And he's like, we don't like to give false hope. And I said, well, my child's in there, you know, sedated with all the stuff. To hook. The only thing I have is hope. If there's no hope, why is he still in there? Mm. And so it was hard. Like I felt like I was fighting against all these people that didn't we called I called them gloom and doom because the doctors were wow. like that and one day I was putting a little verse up and one of the doctors came up to me and he's like hey and I was like what and he's like I've been praying for your boy mm. and I was like oh there is somebody here that has some <laughs> kind of faith yeah <laughs> oh my gosh but you wow. know things went um just things went bad from there and um we ended up losing him and it wasn't like a nice little not less ever nice but not a quiet just go to sleep kind of thing it was traumatic and it was tragic and one of our friends actually was a respiratory therapist who you know gave him his last breath and we're in the room with him and it was awful like just the worst thing you could think of watching and nothing you can do and still you know when they told us it was over I 100% thought it was going to be like the movies like beep beep and he would be fine and he wasn't and I just remember at that point for me standing there feeling like everything I believed in everything I put my faith in was just gone like nothing was true nothing was real how could this happen mm. you know we had done something at one point where we asked people from wherever they were praying to send us something and we had everyone in the United States and and mm. some other places all 50 states yeah, yeah. that as were well praying and I'm like how how God can all this all this be going on mm. and yet here I stand and they're telling me that it's over mm. yeah well um I remember being I think we had youth group that night or something and um you know obviously we do youth ministry in the community you know Brock went to school so all these kids you know know him and uh, it was just the loss felt everywhere, you know, yeah. around. It was everybody was going through, obviously not to the extent, you know, right. that yeah. pot that well, you guys, everybody shared in it. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, it was uh, one of those life changing days for anybody that, that knew him. Right. And, you know, uh, the coming days and all of the. Yeah you know funeral preparations and mm -hmm. yeah and uh i can remember uh, being at the canal chester 
high school football stadium. Mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. prayer vigil. That prayer night. vigil. Yep. Things packed to the gills. Mm-hmm. I can remember yep. Pastor Steve, you know, from yep. Sycamore, and what a great guy. And he came and, yep. and gave a, I mean, basically an altar call, gave an opportunity for people mm-hmm. after Brock's eulogy to, um, to follow Jesus. And I just remember looking around and going, man, there's how many people stood it, up. It was crazy. Yeah. The, so we were very public with Brock's story. Like mm-hmm. I, if you followed me, I think it was called B Rock's bullpen at the yeah, time. Yeah, now yeah, it's the Brock Strong yeah. Foundation. I posted every day what was going on. I forgot because about that. B everyone was praying <laughs> for him, and I wanted them to pray for him. And I wanted them to be updated, and it was impossible to update everyone. So we kind of just used this platform. And so unfortunately, when Brock passed away. Um, <laughs> I was like, why wouldn't I think of that these before? <laughs> we had to call and tell people. And all of a sudden, we're thinking, Tucker's at school. He's a junior in high school. He has no idea because we didn't know that was going to happen. We didn't see anything coming. No. So I call, like, my boss, and they're all at lunch. And he told me, like, he tells me today, like, he has no idea what I said. He just knew something was bad. Mm-hmm. And I said they needed to bring Tucker. So they come. They go to get Tucker at school. They don't say anything to Tucker. Tucker sees that they're picking him up. And he just thinks something's wrong. And before Tucker even got to the hospital, somebody mm-hmm. had tweeted RIP Brock. So we had told no one yet, um, no one. And so someone, you know, put that on there. And I just remember <laughs> seeing Tucker. And I told you I don't cry very much, but this yeah. usually gets me. But just seeing Tucker in the hallway and Tucker saying, you know, I'm not a brother anymore. It was so hard. And just to see his reaction of it. And um, it was so hard. And so, yeah, then you're just rushed into all these decisions. Mm-hmm. And we had never talked about any of it. Like, you don't talk about what you're going to do if something happens to your mm-hmm. kid. And I know everyone around us probably thinks we're crazy because mm-hmm. they saw it coming. But we just didn't. And so, you know, you're making all these decisions. Are you going to bury me and cremate him? And, and Terry and I were right on the same track. And if we hadn't been, I don't know what would have happened. Right. And, you know, the counselor I forget what he's called the counselor guy is like talking to Tucker calling him Tyler um asking him all these strange one questions yeah. like get the name right <laughs> <laughs> but it's all this going on meanwhile Broxville body is still in the room with us and um it was hard and so we knew we wanted to make it fun like we knew that all these people had followed him and everyone's eyes were going to be on us. They were going to be watching how we reacted to this. They were going to be watching, you know, a lot of them I'm sure thought, Oh, what kind of God do you serve? You know, you're, you work at a church, you're a believer. He's been in ministry. Like, um, what good did that do you? So we knew that we had to make it positive. And so we, um, we knew we wanted it to be somewhere cool. And the, um, funeral home said, how many people do you think? We're like, well, it's graduation weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. Maybe a couple hundred people. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we think that um, <coughs> we think you're going to have more. So we went to uh, Kent Riggs, the uh, mm-hmm. athletic director, and said, hey, we want to do it in the high school. And he was amazing. And he whatever said, whatever you want, however you want it. Yeah, whatever you want to do. And like, we want uh, we want a message like we want our my pastor to preach the gospel, which is very odd in a school. And they said, whatever you want to do. And so we get there and you can tell him the rest. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. We, we thought it'd be cute, you know, because we had the whole, you know, the entryway to the football stadium line with pictures of Brock. And we thought we would kind of do like what you normally do at a funeral and stand there and, you know, greet people as they came in. We're like, yeah, that's kind of cute because the line went from the door all the way down to the road. I mean, they literally had to stop the, the traffic coming in because there wasn't any room. So then they finally got us out of here and there were over 4,000 people at this thing. So it's picture crazy. Canal Winchester High School football stadium. You know, the entire stadium is filled. And then you have on the right side of the hill completely full and the left side of the hill completely full and then probably 10 deep, you know, mm-hmm. on the fence. And then we had probably 60 seats up on the uh, up on the track, you know, just completely full. And 
it was just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I never in my life thought, you know, that, you know, a son that we birthed would have that much of an impact. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like Christy says, we had, you know, Pastor Steve came and he gave a, you know, hey, you know, nothing's promised. I mean, what better picture do you have of the frailty of life than, you know, this situation right now? And he, he called everybody and said, hey, if you don't have a relationship with God, now is the time. Mm-hmm. And again, we had thousands of people praying for him. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, this this could have been, you know, the roller coaster ride for them. You know, do they fall off the cliff because they've been praying for something that didn't happen? And now do they not believe in God because of this? Or, you know, do they look at, you know, Christy and I and Tucker that are still faith filled? I mean, honestly, the, the only opportunity I have to be with my son is because of Jesus and he's in heaven. So, I mean, obviously our faith is incredibly important, if not more. More so now. Um, but, you know, Steve made that call and, you know, Christy and I were kind of, you know, looking forward, you know, Tucker got up and sang and I think I lost it a couple of times there with, you know, him being able to sing, you know, at his brother's celebration service. But when then Steve asked that question, he said, Terry, Christy, turn around and look. And we turned around and there were hundreds, hundreds of people. And we always say that, you know, that is absolutely amazing. And God's kingdom definitely increased dramatically that day. But we would trade every bit of that, you know, for him to still be here, still be healthy, you know, be in his second year of college right now, going to be the doctor that he wanted to be and curing cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what an amazing testimony for God. We've had every doctor, including the smartest doctors in the world, say we don't know what's wrong with him. We don't know how to fix him. And then for him to be well, like when he was little, he had a feeding tube and I hated it. And it's taped to his face. And I would take him all the time to try to get it out. And they would tell me like, no, or whatever. And so they humored me one day and did this test like three weeks early. And um, he was able to get it out. And he looked at me and said, there is no possible way that this is happening. And I said, I think there is because of God. And this, he didn't believe in God. And he's like, well, I said, you just told me there's no other way. Yeah. You know, how can you think that? So we think there's a way. Just what a testimony that would have been to God. And in my opinion, how much stronger it would have made everyone's faith that started believing in God because mm. of Brock and watching this whole story. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I, uh, few questions come to mind and we might actually do a two-parter if you guys are okay with it uh, yeah i know you're in trouble because no, like, i'm not in trouble i love deep I'd, conversations no, I, <laughs> we love i mean it is our favorite subject to talk about too is our son um there's so much and we were talking before this and i think if there was ever a time where your guys' experience with brock and with brock's passing if there's ever a time in the history of the world where every single person needs to needs um, to hear how you guys have processed this, it's not perfect. I'm sure you guys would say, like, the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody grieves perfectly. No. But at the same time, um, we were talking about the Holmes stress scale mm-hmm. and, like, the most stressful things you can experience. And I think you probably know about it a little bit more than I do. But yeah. um, what I, I heard on a podcast the other day where the most stressful thing you can experience is losing a spouse or losing a child. And I think you added somebody who you take care of. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I read that in one of my books that kind of walk you through grief, and it says, you know, if you lose your parent, it's awful. It's yeah. like, you know, I lost my mom at an early age, yeah. and it was hard, but I wasn't with her every day. She was, you know, it's kind of more the natural progression. Yeah. You, you expect your parents yeah, to go before Yeah, at some point, you. yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, maybe and... not when she's 63, but <laughs> you expect that. Right. Um, but to have a child, and then on top of that, a child who you are a caretaker for, mm. that you, you know, you have spent all this time. I mean, that was my purpose in life, like, I knew everything about everything blood related. I 
probably could have been a nurse in that particular yeah. field. Yeah. I think you have um, your PhD in blood, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, um, I knew what was going on. I was his best advocate. And so someone that you're doing all that with and that lives with you um, is the worst thing. The only thing that would have been worse is if he would have taken his own life, according to this book, because not yeah. only do you have all that, but then you have all the questions of um, the whys and yeah. why yeah. didn't I see it coming. Plus, there's no name for us. I mean, if you lose your spouse, you're a widow. Mm-hmm. If you lose your parents, you're an orphan. Mm. If you lose your children, there's no, there, you know, we don't fit in any box. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think um, the how you guys have gone through this journey, and like you said, like uh, you guys have lots of really hard questions for God, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I think so often, um, what I loathe about faith, uh, people who I've seen, and this is probably too harsh to say it this way, but I, I have a lot of really hard questions, and um, somewhere along the way, I I had a moment with Jesus where I'm like, man, I got to here's some of my hard questions, yeah. you know, and I'm going to ask you, like, I don't understand why this happens. And what I've discovered is that maybe God won't answer your questions directly, but he always answers you mm-hmm. in some way. And he always leads you towards something else. Or like your moment where, you know, you're in the hospital and that boy got walked out mm-hmm. of the hospital yeah. room. It, it was an answer. It maybe wasn't the answer. And we're never going to get the answer, yeah. you know, uh, until we, uh, you know, reach eternity. But, um, to go, man, there's lots of hard questions. And this is a year of hard questions for mm-hmm. so many people. For sure. mm-hmm. A year of, I mean, lots of people who have lost one, multiple people to COVID. Mm-hmm. We know there's lots of people that, you know, over 500,000 people in our country that that's been their experience. And then there's the grief of losing just what we thought life would be over the past year. I mean, proms and uh, grandparents not being able to see the birth of their grandbabies and you know we we canceled our family christmas parties and mm-hmm. we canceled our thanksgivings and um there's grief that comes along with that there's uh, birthday parties that we had to miss and the memories and moments that man that everybody is having to in their own way grieve right and grief for a lot of people is relative like you know, I, I'm sure that you guys would agree with this. We hope nobody ever has to go through, yeah. you know, the extent of grief that you guys have had to go through. Um, but, um, but we all grieve and we all grieve differently. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a space and time where your guys' story, you know, I want to learn from you <laughs> because there's a lot of grief that I am, that I'm processing personally. And I know a lot of people in our church are processing and, and this transition in society of man, we can't run from our grief anymore. Right. We can't distract ourselves from our grief anymore. That we, you, we used to get our life so packed full of stuff from the time we woke up to even after we should be in bed, you know, every single day. But all of a sudden, um, you know, this was a while ago and most things are back now, but all of a sudden we can't go out to eat. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden we can't travel for work. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden we can't come to uh, church, come to church, watch baseball. You mm-hmm. know, when that was for me, my, they're like, oh, baseball's gone. <laughs> yeah. We're just canceling the season. You know, but, th- but it's a real thing, you right. know. Um, and so I'd love to, um, uh, one, I just thank you guys for sharing again. Um, I just, I want to talk about for you guys, and maybe here's the question that I'm getting at. Um, what have you learned about grief generally? Well, I guess I'll start because you kind of alluded to this is, is it, it seems like that we all have the ultimate trump card, you know. I never, you know, I've got this in my life, but you guys have had this, you know, it's nowhere near that. And we, we always say to people, it doesn't matter whether your thing, you know, in your, in your world, it's everything. 
So whether you've lost a child, whether you've lost a cat, we've you know lost a horse, we've had somebody say, you know, I know what you're going through. I mean, there's something. And if it's something to you, then it's something. They're not comparable, you know, so don't try. And they're yeah. not, you can't put them on a scale like this one's on, on a 10, this one's only a three. If you're grieving something, you're grieving something. And we always told each other, and you know, I, I, honestly, I don't know what I do, you know, in this life without her. I mean, you know, we're kind of like you guys. I mean, we started dating almost when we were babies. Yeah. And, you know, our relationship has, has been incredible. And if anything, you know, it's had to, had, had to strengthen, mm. you know, since we've lost Brock. But, you know, there were days where we just didn't want to get out of bed. Um, but our line to each other was always, you know, because when, when your kids get older, you know, you know, now these things that you've been telling them, you know, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Well, you start hearing, you know, your kids, when they get old enough, they start saying these things back to you. <laughs> so, you know, even we, we think about, you know, with Brock, when these are the cards we've been dealt, we just have to deal with it. I know you can't go to D.C. I know you broke your arm and you can't play baseball anymore. But unfortunately, bud, these are the cards we've been dealt. We have to deal with them. So we've, you know, picture from heaven, Brock talking to us going, hey, mom and dad. These are the cards you've been dealt. What are you going to do with it? So, you know, we always instilled in him to make the best of a horrible situation, a bad situation, something completely unfair to a little 14 and a half year old kid. But now we've got to live it ourselves. Mm. And we had days where we didn't want to get out of bed. Mm. I mean, it's ugly. I mean, it is. I don't understand it. I'm mad. I'm mad at God. I was, you know, you, you struggle with your faith because faith is easy. When you think your life's going rough, it's not really going rough. It could be so much worse. But faith is easy when it's going, you know, pretty smooth. But all of a sudden when your world gets rocked and you know that God is able, but he chose not to. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, some greater reason, God chose not to save our son. And I can't for the life of me figure it out. But I've got a little small brain here on earth that I can't wait till I get my big brain when I get to heaven <laughs> exactly and could right. kind of, you know, hear this whole story out as to why it had to happen. Mm. Yeah. For me, I'm a generally upbeat, happy, positive person. That's just who I am, you know. So um, this was a new me after Brock passed away. And the first thing was my, um, my faith. And when I say my faith, I never really thought, oh, there is no God. I never thought any of that. But for me, prayer was huge. I'm like, what is the point of prayer? God, I just wrote every scripture about prayer on a post-it note so I know them and you say over and over again you're going to answer us and I didn't want to hear that oh he did answer you but in a different way right. nope you tell us to ask specifically and you will answer we were specific and I was specific <laughs> about all of it and that was the hardest thing for me like I just felt like this thing I believed in and I turned to in prayer so much didn't really mean anything I was so skeptical and you know working at a church I would go to my boss who's the pastor all the time and say like, I'm just struggling with this. And he didn't have any answers for me because he was struggling with it too. You know, he loved Brock too. And so I just would say to someone, I'm the kind, if I say I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you, yeah. even if it's just a little quick prayer. Mm -hmm. But I would feel like I would talk to these people that were going through things like this and say, you know, God is able, but in the back of my mind, I always thought, but he might not. Or if someone wrote like, oh, an answer to prayer, my child was healed. The cynical side of me was like, was, was your child healed because of your prayer to God or was it the right medicine? Yeah. And I hated that about me. I hated that this thing that was such a part of who Christy Johnson was, was now kind of out the window and I didn't know how to get it back. I'm mm -hmm. such a mind over matter person. Like, I'm just gonna think myself into this feeling and not feel myself into the, you know, the thought. Yeah. And, um, and that was kind of gone. And I was sad all the mm. time. Like I, 
had never been that way. I was just sad and I cried all the time. And I have this other child who's starting a senior year, you know, should be living his best life. And I have to, I have to show up for him every day. He's used to fun Christy who does, you know, all the things that I love being a mom. I love all the things about being a mom. I love birthdays and classroom thing. I just loved all of it and made a big deal out of everything. And so now I found myself being this person where I could not mind over matter. Mm what I was feeling. And on top of that, Terry had to learn how to deal with a wife who cried all the time because he wasn't used to that. Like, I don't think I wore makeup in like six months. And And you found out about waterproof makeup. Yeah, I didn't know there was waterproof (laughs) mascara. I mean, 40 some years and you didn't know, but that's pretty good. I I would say I'm thankful to have lived that long without needing it, but. (laughs) Did you buy it? (laughs) No, I still don't know what it is. I saw you in the makeup (laughs) section. So it was just so, it was hard. I felt like a different person. And like Terry said, um, I knew I had to, I knew I couldn't stay in bed and mainly for Tucker I also knew it wasn't honoring to Brock to stay in bed and just you know and waste myself away so I always tell people like it's okay to fall apart and stay in bed for a day but you got to get up and you got to put one foot in front of the other and that's all you can do some days there's days I drove to work I don't even remember driving how I got there like it was just this person who I'm usually I'm very in control and very Mm -hmm. everything's you know a little bit of a perfectionism person and and I was none of that Mm -hmm. I was just a hot mess (laughs) and I could still kind of smile for the masses so if you saw me somewhere you probably would think like oh she has it all together and I didn't want people to think that Mm -hmm. so I was very very honest on social media I liked I'm way better in writing than I am in Mm -hmm. person and so I love to just journal out what I'm feeling and I did that a lot on Facebook Mm because I didn't want people to think like I was fine and if they if this happened to them I didn't want them to think that oh there's something wrong with me if I'm sad because Mm -hmm. I'd seen that I had watched other people lose children or go through something hard and the ones that were like oh you know he's with Jesus and blah 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 I just didn't believe that was real and it might have been but for me I had a hard time thinking that anyone could just be that okay with it because we are human and we are and we're sad for what we're missing I 100% know that Brock is in heaven and he's living his best life and he's missed out on so much sorrow and heartache here and I'm thankful for that but the selfish side of me wants him here like that's one of my questions for God why don't you make us so that you're like oh my gosh your mom died that's amazing you know why are we so selfish and want him here so I didn't want people to think that so I try to be really honest but I always try to come back to being choosing joy that was my big thing was like just wake up choose joy it's a choice you have to talk yourself into being okay you can't just feel it because you're not going to feel it and Mm. so that was hard and the prayer thing took me it took me a couple years to get back to where I was Um, just so hard. I felt like a hypocrite when I would pray for someone because, you know, and God wants you to pray about everything. And I would be like, why does God care about this when I had this big, huge, good prayer that he didn't answer the way I wanted him to? So that was really tough. And I just maybe in the, it took me about two years to get back to where I'm like, all right, God, because, you know, if, if you just want us to have a relationship with you and you just want to converse with us and you want to know us, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But you say over and over again, ask and you'll receive and, yeah. you know, all the things. And I just I just still don't understand that. But I think that's where faith comes in. You, mm-hmm. you have to just trust that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that faith part is, you know, God provided Christy and I each other. You know, so while we're grieving this, while, you know, she's laying in bed crying, I'm there and able to help pull her out of bed yes. and get moving. And then when I'm crying in bed and down on my knees and can't understand why, then she's there to pull me back up. Mm-hmm. So I think really 
God kept us opposites. You know, he never had us both, you wow. know, happy at the same time, nor did he have us sad at the same time. So, I mean, you talk about the helpmate and what, you know, God intended for a relationship. We were there to pick each other up. So, I mean, it makes me, you know, incredibly sad to, to think of people that would not have, you know, going through this catastrophic thing that we did to not have somebody to process with and to be able to pick them up. I just, I can't imagine that. Yeah, I have a couple things to add. I think I, I was, thank you guys for, uh, being honest about the wrestling match mm. that faith mm-hmm. is with Jesus. It's like, it's a wrestling match, you know, and, and I would say, I, I think as you, Christy, has said, it's not all, you know, butterflies and her faith is easy when everything's easy, yeah. yeah, you know, and when everything's really good. And when I got the big check in the mail, it's like, it's easy to, yeah, <laughs> yeah God, yeah, he God provides. provided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he did, you know, yeah. um, but it's really hard when, when things are hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when, and I, I don't know. I just, I've been processing a lot of what you guys are saying personally, like it, coming into this conversation and, uh, the whole idea of, um, choosing joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's one thing I've prayed a lot, God, I, I want to be happier, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to experience like that fullness of joy. Um, but, but it's not just happiness, it's joy. Mm-hmm. And that there's mm-hmm. a difference. There's mm-hmm. a difference between I, I'm happy right now, which is fleeting. Yeah. And then there's joy, which is a more this steady undercurrent. It's more of a foundation than it is a feeling. Does it's that more make of a sense? choice. Yes. You have yeah. to choose it. And that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And when you've gone through something that you guys have gone through to sit here and say, I chose joy. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I don't know. I, I can see into how that is. You know, it comes across so easy in a sentence, but I can see in your eyes the heaviness of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's heavy. Yeah. And I literally read this morning in my devotionals, Philippians 4.4. 4, it says, rejoice in, the war, re, excuse me, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it even goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, here's another verse about prayer. I'm sure you could repeat <laughs> it back to me. I'm sure it was on a post-it note. You're right. Pray about everything. Right. <laughs> you should write this one down. <laughs> you know, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and um and what it doesn't say is in this text is that he'll answer you right away but it says in the peace of God which transcends mm-hmm. all understanding yeah so what you're saying That's about huge there my my small human brain mm-hmm. can't comprehend the big brain right. you know that I'll get in heaven to, to go man like I've just been wrestling through that all day to go the peace of God which transcends mm-hmm. all understanding to go like how can I have joy and how can I have peace and not understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's something that I've, I've written in my journal since Brock passed away. Mm-hmm. And, and something I say to a lot of people is I'm praying for peace that surpasses understanding for you. Because mm-hmm. that's what it's going to take to get through this. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's just funny you read that. Because I write that in every card that I send someone who's lost a child. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I'm praying for for you. Because you're mm-hmm. not going to understand it. No. And, mm-hmm. and we think that life is this nice little, you know, hundred piece puzzle. That all of a sudden when we get that hundredth piece and we put it in, we kind of stand back and look at it and go, oh, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that at all. I mean, we're, we're dealing with a hundred pieces here on earth when mm-hmm. it's a million pieces over in heaven. And we just have this little small snippet that we have to try to make sense of. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. And the only sense that we have is we have a God that's greater than us and God doesn't make mistakes. And that was, you know, Christy's rough thing to handle was prayer. Mine was, I think God made a mistake here. She always said, you know, I always tell her, God doesn't make mistakes. She's like, well, you know, <laughs> he may, maybe one, he may have, but all of God's 
statements are true you know that he doesn't make mistakes you know just so if i believe in heaven and i know that you know someday that the the three johnsons that are left here on earth are going to be in heaven and reunited with brock that truth is just the same as he doesn't make mistakes and those for me you know I wrestled hard with those and still wrestle, yeah. you know. But, and all of those things sound great and our head knows all those things. But when you want to get down to the dirty, practical, okay, how do I choose yes. joy? I mean, I even have like choose joy that Brock got with me when he was still alive. I got that tattoo. For me, it was um, finding what good came out of this. God doesn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. We know that. And it's not easy. And I probably couldn't have done this in the first year. But now I can see all the good. First of all, I'm just thankful for being his mom for that long and just you know, a little ways, probably about six months down the road, I realized like, gosh, I just miss him. Like what he did for me. Mm-hmm. I know he was 14 and a half, but he was so encouraging. Like I need Tucker. Cause Tucker will say like, you probably shouldn't wear that mom. <laughs> Brock was just like, you're beautiful, you know, In everything. <laughs> and so he yeah. was just that, you know, so I missed that about him and I had to focus on what was good. Like all the people's lives he's changed. Um, everything good about him I just kept focusing on that I mean our foundation we wouldn't we you know we're almost at a million dollars back in the community we wouldn't have done that if he was here and again everything I'm saying to you I would wash away if I could have him back yeah but I haven't figured out a way to do that yet and so just focusing on what you do have and like I'm still here for a reason I got to get up I got to keep moving Um, that helps me to choose joy like finding the joy and like you said joy is like deep down knowing I know that I'm gonna like Terry said I know I'm gonna see Brock again I know Mm -hmm. I have the security of of, uh, you know salvation Um, just finding all that and sometimes it's just as lame as writing it down and reminding yourself Mm -hmm. of look at all these good things and that's gonna help me choose joy and and not choosing joy doesn't help anyone you know I I in I love what you said about like doing the lame things yeah because there's so many mottos and mantras and things that, yep. you know, when you're in a dark spot, you you know them, but it's almost like a, um, things are so heavy that you can't bring yourself to do something so simple. Mm-hmm. When my encouragement would be, do it. Like right. like you said, list out the things you're grateful for. Yeah. You know, uh, say put post-it notes on your mirror that mm-hmm. encourage you, and say them out loud with your voice. Like almost not being too in a weird way prideful to go. I am. I am hurting right now and I need to declare things over my life. Mm-hmm. I need to like, you're not just going to come out of things by accident, mm-hmm. right? You don't no, accidentally absolutely. work your way through grief. Yeah. I mean, it's when you're getting up to work out in the morning. I mean, nobody <laughs> when they're first starting likes to get up at five in the morning to work out, mm-hmm. but you do it. Yep. You know, you just get up until you become those freaks in life. We know like where you actually don't mind, or if you don't work out in the morning, you miss it, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. So you don't feel it initially. But sometimes you just got to act yourself into that feeling. You know, kind of what you said, sorry, reminded me of um, something I struggled with is because I am an upbeat, happy person. And people look at me to always be in a good mood or always, you know, have the right thing to say or the right thing to do. And through this, people see me as so strong. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. I know I probably put on myself, but I feel it from other people. I don't want to let anyone down. Mm. And so I feel like I don't I didn't have the right to be in a bad mood. I didn't have the right to I had the right. But oh my gosh, these, I can't, you know, people tell me all the time, like, you're so strong. I don't know how you did this. I couldn't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And that's pressure. Mm. You know, I appreciate it and it's very nice, but then it makes me feel like, oh, they're watching me. I have to be upbeat or they're going to, it's going to disappoint them. It's going to ruin their lives and it's not going to ruin their lives. You know, that's (laughs) funny. One of the things I was, I think would be interesting. uh, A question to ask you guys, I should say is you guys had to grieve publicly. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, is that not everybody when something like this happens has, you know, the constant outpouring. And like you said, with B-Rock's bullpen, we were getting updates every mm-hmm. week, every day, yeah. every, you know. <laughs> Multiple times a day. Yeah, and, and I felt know. being in the public eye. And it was wonderful because we had the most amazing support, but it was hard. Like mm-hmm. when I was walking. Tell like, me about that, yeah. I'm a big exerciser. And so I decided I was going to walk outside one day and I had two different cars stop and want to take me home because I thought I was just sad. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm walking on purpose. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm acting myself into a feeling right now. <laughs> yeah. But so we had, the support we had was just oh. I, I mean, I can't say cool. enough about how amazing our friends, our family, strangers, but you felt that eye on you all the time. And, and like I said earlier, I felt like everyone was just watching us, watching me to see how I was going to react. Mm, like, yeah. oh, let's see how this God thing works out for her now. Mm. Like, I just felt that. I felt like I am representing Jesus right now. And yeah. even though I'm kind of mad at him, I got to wow. be, you yeah. know, sometimes in like work situations, you may disagree behind the scenes, but you go out and you're united. And I felt like that. Like I have to go out mm. and be Jesus's biggest cheerleader when right now I feel like putting him on the bench, you know. Mm. That was it was hard to do that. And it was hard for Tucker to be in the public eye. You know, again, there's Tucker, who's, you know, a senior in high school and lost his brother, who was a big force. I mean, yeah. Tucker would be in high school and people would be like, you're Brock's brother. And he's like, no, I'm older. Yeah. He's he, my brother. Yeah, he's my yeah. brother. Exactly. So to, and to try to help him through this, which, you know, I don't even know if we did a great job with that. I should have put Tucker in, in counseling mm. and we didn't because mm. we were the kind of people that this is what we are dealt and we're just going to figure out how to move forward. And it's really not fair to ask anyone to do that. So it was hard being in the public and watching, having everyone watch you. And I felt like I just couldn't fall. I couldn't be sad. I couldn't show anyone, you know, the downside, although I I could write it. I was good at writing it on Facebook, Mm -hmm. but I thought when they saw me, you know, people were sad about Brock. So I found myself consoling people. (laughs) I'd see someone (laughs) in a restaurant that would like be so sad and crying. And I felt like I had to hug them and say, it's okay. You know, we're okay. (laughs) We're going to be fine. We'll get there someday. Yeah. What about, what were your observations from it? I really don't know. It's just, it's such, such an odd concept. Um, I mean, again, you have the people that always compare, you know, like I've got no story better, or, you know, you have the ultimate trump card, but people just want to grieve. And, and what Christy said, we found that a lot, you know, because mm-hmm. one of the odd things about when you lose a child is, you know, like, I don't want to bring up Brock in front of Christy, you know, like, cause that's going to make her sad. Well, it's, it's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's like, the more we can, I mean, you could probably see we have smiles on our face, you know, talking about the most horrific thing that we've ever gone through in our entire lives. But this is our son that God gave us. I mean, it's mm. one of the most, you know, it's it's top three treasured assets for me in my entire life. Wow. You know, so it's it's great to be able to, to sit and talk about Brock. So, you know, like when, you know, you have somebody that's lost somebody, you know, don't be afraid, you know, to, to bring them up and just say, hey, I was thinking about Brock today. And, you know, you may not know this. I mean, people come up to us all the time. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen these pictures, you know, but if you think about it, that's the most greatest treasure you can get is wow. like a picture that you didn't know of. Cause you know, as far as us, we're, we've got a finite number of pictures of our family together. You know, I mean, there are only so many pictures of Brock in this world, some of which we have, some of which we've never seen. Stories. We get to hear all kinds of stories of like, well, you know, we're getting ready to do high school scholarships soon. And one of the we we have a a sit down with, you know, these people like they better believe like if they knew Brock, one of my questions is going to be, what's your favorite story about Brock? Because Mm -hmm. those just make me smile and just make you light up and just you get to see how big of a beacon he was, you know, for other people that we just didn't have the opportunity to see. 
Oh. And I have found, like he was saying, some people would um, come up, and especially to me, say things. I think women are just more open and honest about how I know exactly how you feel because fill in the blank. And, a, and some of them would be like crazy things. And I won't even say what they were. Some of them were like crazy <laughs> things that weren't comparable. And Terry would get so mad about it because he thought, how dare they say something to you? But for me, I thought they're just trying to relate for, to me. And that's the most you know, stressful, agonizing thing they can think of. Yeah. So I don't think they're doing it to really think it equals. They're just trying to find a way to relate to me. And like, ironically, right before Brock went into transplant, I read Robin Roberts' book on um, her bone marrow transplant. And that's where we kind of got the whole thing where she said her mom would always tell her, everybody's got something. And just because this is your something, it's no bigger than that something. And so I try to tell people that all the time because someone will try to talk to me about something. It's nothing compared to what you're going through. And I'm like, no, it is because it's the biggest thing in your life. Wow. She's a saint when it comes to that. <laughs> I just want to come unglued sometimes. You know, I know exactly what you're going through. I lost my cat. I'm uh, like, uh, you uh, what? <laughs> Pop. <laughs> yeah. How I, I, I tell people all the time when they, you know, are about to have kids and they're asking me about my kids and. I'm like, there's something about having kids that changes your DNA. Oh, yeah. No Just, doubt. I'm a different person. I feel like my skin looks different. <laughs> my hair is growing. Yeah. yeah, my skin is, or my, my hair is definitely yeah. different than pre <laughs> yeah. My hair is going away. I just got some, you know. But it, everything changes about you. Yeah. And I would assume the same is true when you go through what you guys have been through. Yeah. And so what, maybe uh, to the extent you guys are aware, what about you guys has changed what about your DNA has changed personally? With you, having Terry, kids? Or yeah, with no, losing. with losing. With losing? With, with having kids, I feel like, as a mom anyway, you lose, lose any form of selfishness that you have. Yeah. Like, I all of a sudden was not selfish mm-hmm. and did everything for them and didn't feel sorry for myself. And, like, Brock and I went through some stuff. Like, I took care of a lot of stuff with him. Like, just... You know, he was 14 and a half, and some of the stuff he went through was embarrassing. And, you know, and I just did it. You don't think about it. You just do it. So then after losing him, it kind of was like, what do I do now? Mm. What I'm such a caretaker, and I loved, like I said, all the things with the mom. And Tucker didn't really want me to come to high school and be in a room mom. And um, <laughs> that had just passed by. And obviously, we, you know, we, we weren't going to have any more kids. And so that was, it changed like I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm. Um, all the things that I love doing and that I thought this is my purpose and I, I thought I was good at it. Like, I don't think I'm good at a lot of things. I can hold my own with some things, but I felt like I was a good mom and I was good at advocating for Brock and that was just gone and I felt lost. It made me way more compassionate mm. and it made me have a bigger, wider perspective than I had ever had mm. when things go wrong. You know, I feel like I kind of have this trump thing like this is such a bad thing and everything else it just pales in comparison to it so kind of gave me that new perspective it gave me definitely more compassion and um just kind of made me feel lost still Mm. a little lost about what i mean our foundation that we haven't even touched on yet i'm sorry no 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 i want to do a part two by the way (laughs) i think that let's finish up the i'm serious let's let's finish up the grief conversation and i have a couple more questions i want to ask you once we get past this one i want to get to you terry too um and then we'll for everybody listening we'll do a part two right now right after this yeah. and we'll release it the following week just to get into foundation and some stuff plus so. oh, yeah yeah because yeah. that actually saved that's what saved me yeah. in yeah. all this yeah that, that's a good tease i know yeah it's coming <laughs> so no, so what about you terry <laughs> how, how how have you changed um you know because i obviously like at from my perspective like you spend a lot of time with brock mm-hmm. and yeah. you spend a lot of time with brock um and th- that yeah. was your guy man you went and that was that was your buddy you yeah. know and 
and obviously we all love Tucker and yeah, just no the doubt. best in the world. But, you know, at the sports games and your life changes, obviously. So how have you changed? How have you – how's it changed your DNA? Well, I have some oddities about me. Um, you know, Tucker <laughs> no, you and I – Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's that's episode three. Um, <laughs> Tucker and I, we've had a musical connection, you know, our entire mm, life. Yeah, so I've played yeah. drums – you know, pretty much, you know, my entire life. And then him and I got to play together. So that was our connection. And with Brock, I had, I'm a Harry Potter nerd because him and I, one of my favorite memories is him and I, we came into the Harry Potter world well after the rest of the world. (laughs) So all the movies were out. So we would read the book at the same time. We would compete shocker Brock about, usually won. yeah he beat me every day on time <laughs> so we would compete we would watch the, read the book and then we'd watch the movie together mm. so i remember i am a grown man on a business trip in dallas and i am in some used bookstore <laughs> buying a harry potter book for myself so i can get the jump on harry potter and try to beat brock so i have that weird connection with harry potter and then obviously you know brock was our iron man so those three things and you know probably the most important to me was baseball yeah you know i mean that was brock and i's thing i mean mm-hmm. i i got to see that kid pretty much play every game he ever played in his entire life and that was probably the biggest loss for me mm-hmm. um and that's you know when when that was gone you know brock was still on a team and you know those boys were 14 at the time and you know their travel season was still going on mm-hmm. um it was just weird baseball just mm-hmm. it, you would think coming back to the baseball field you know I came back a year later you think that would be incredibly sad but it was just it was actually quite the opposite it just mm-hmm. that's where I felt close to Brock I mean just mm-hmm. to see what we call Brock like qualities in others we get to see you know kids because he was again I know we talked about I me mean, we, we may be incredibly biased because <laughs> he's our kid but he just played the game the way that you would want every kid to play Mm -hmm. um he just played the game the right way he was the fiercest competitor you've ever been around in your entire Mm -hmm. life and i remember his last seventh grade season he was four foot nothing standing on base with a kid from new albany that was well over six (laughs) foot tall and he would fight you tooth and nail as long as the game was going on he would fight you tooth and nail and as soon as the game was over he'd be up giving you high fives and hugs i mean he he could turn it on and turn it Mm -hmm. off and i think that's you know that competitive gene that he had is just you know made christian and i yeah. incredibly competitive in a in a, in a positive yeah. way wow so i just miss miss that i think a big change for you if i may say so is um you may not <laughs> is me because you know we we've always I wasn't been, going to go there i know <laughs> what you're going to say now we've yeah. always been like like we were best friends before we dated so we've always had an amazing marriage but i was busy as busy as those kids and terry kind of could do all his things um most of my things were kids i didn't really do a lot on the side but you know he coached baseball and he plays drums and so he was kind of going around <laughs> along in life with like you know a wife that kind of took care of everything and everyone well then all that was gone so then i'm like oh i need way more attention yeah. from you here i am and, and he brock was, was amazing at that with her and yes, i'm like uh i'm amazing. ricky bobby i'm like i don't know what to do with my hands right now let's and, go on a walk <laughs> and i recognize with him like i haven't needed anything big from, you know i've been pretty easy low maintenance wife yeah. for all these years consider yourself like yeah. um, but then it came to like where i was just you, you, you mean like it's changed now you're still low maintenance wife. <laughs> yeah thank you 
Uh, but for Smart. him, it was like a new thing. I'm writing like, notes over here. Yeah, oh my gosh, I have to take care of her. And, and, and she's sad all the time. Who yeah. is this? Yeah. So for I think that was a big change for you, yeah. having to um, just, not that, I mean, we are always been together, but I didn't have all those things to do. So I was like, okay, give me attention, yeah. give yeah. me time. I mean, we were in and out of the, for 14 and a half years, we were in and out of the hospital. I bet 500 plus times, yeah. you know, I mean, and like she talked about National Institute of Health, they're gone for three and four days. I mean, so it's like we had like at home mode and then I can still picture this, you know, like, you know, I can still hear Brock. His bedroom was right beside ours mm. and he'd be like, mom. And she would take the thermometer and go in and take his temperature. And I knew, you know, like if that temperature, you know, was a certain level, it was hospital mode. Yep. So we had at-home mode and hospital mode. So mm. she would go off with Brock and off to the hospital they mm. went. And then me and Tucker had our own little life here. Yeah. And, you know, we would take care of things here. And now you work from home. Yes. Right? And so there's a lot of time you guys spend together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but it's... When we were all three at home, when you guys were at home too, working oh, yeah. at X Church, and I was at home, <laughs> and all three of us were at home. And so Tucker... That's episode four right there. Yeah. <laughs> it was challenging. Tucker's very much like me. Tucker is uh, a lot like me, such a mama's boy, and just loves to sing, and he loves to talk. We're external processes. Yeah, you guys are Terry awesome. is now so much an external <laughs> process. So Tucker would just walk in singing, and Terry would be on a work call, and he'd be so angry. Or, yeah. Like, we were like, oh, you're no fun to work with I'm, sit, I'm sitting in the front room working on a call yeah he comes into the uh um into the kitchen just singing away i'm sure he's making up yeah. second wind in his head yeah. at the time <laughs> right. or whatever right. and then i'm like i get off the call and i'm like tucker are you kidding because <laughs> this is a public space i mean in the kitchen i'm like boy ain't nothing a public space for you you're not paying it. for it <laughs> i love it but he's so just such a joy and so positive and he's just a better tucker better person than we were growing up and that's that's really helped a lot and it's really um seeing his faith and everything just has really helped yeah. with the whole grieving process as mm. well so yeah. my belief is we got him through 20 years got him through college now he's working at the x so yeah. if something happens we're blaming you guys <laughs> <laughs> well he's helping me in, in so many different ways and um yeah just the way you guys have processed all of this is has been a gift i think and just to allude to your guys's shirts you know every day is a gift well to me today's a gift to be able to you know um hear you guys talk about this stuff and maybe we can end on a note um just of a little encouragement mm -hmm. christy you mentioned it earlier um that that experience when you were in that um, emergency room icu something like that um that was all just doomsday you know and there's no hope here and I think hope's an interesting concept in a time right now where so many people need hope. I think we're looking, we're trying to get our hope from so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, politics, and mm -hmm. who, who your guy is or who your girl is, you know, that you want to be president. Well, uh, guess what? Ain't no president can give you hope. Right. No you know right. what I mean? Um, if if uh, politicians change people's hearts and change the, change the world, then that's probably what I want to what I would have wanted to be, you know, right, right. Um, mm -hmm. but that's, that's not where your hope comes from. Uh, people are looking to different government package. People are looking to different organizations to be a part of. And um, hope is just such a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. um, w what role has hope played in your grieving process? And what, um, I think if somebody's going through a really hard time, I think their question is, is there hope? Mm -hmm. And so, is there hope and what role did it play in well, your grieving process? I, I would say initially you feel like there is no hope. Mm. Um, 
I mean, the stages that we kind of went through is, you know, you, you could barely get out of bed. And then anytime you talked about Brock, you know, like the next stage for us, for me was, you know, anytime you talked about Brock, you cried. Mm. And then you kind of felt bad, you know, like if you had a moment where you like you, we had a joke and we laughed and smiled, you feel kind of bad about mm. that, you know, and then, you know, you start thinking about Brock and then like all of a sudden you just start smiling about remembering these things. And then you kind of, you know, start, you know, up this long hill journey where, you know, now every time I, you know, obviously you still have your sad days, but I mean, I have more good days than bad because mm. I think of what a difference our 14 and a half year old son made in this world. Mm. What a difference he's made in God's kingdom. And he's sitting right by Jesus right now. Just he's probably laughing at every bad thing and wrong thing I've said right mm. now. Um, and I think that, you know, hope is everything because you know, hopefully someday I'm going to be sitting right beside God and sitting right beside Brock and having all of those hard conversations. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Hope and is vital. It's like a roller coaster because I had so much hope for Brock to be healed mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. Yeah. So you're like, okay, what next? <laughs> and then you have hope that like, you're just going to make it through this grief because you, it's literally a pain, like a physical pain that mm-hmm. you have to lose something like that. Like mm-hmm. I can't even explain it. Um, it's just something that you feel like, I don't know if I'm going to live through this, honestly. Yeah. Like, and there were days I thought, this is terrible, but I thought like, if I drove off the road and didn't make it, I'd be all right. Yeah. You know, so you go like through Like it this, would be a relief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think even about the pandemic, I was telling you in my journal, I was reading last year, how we were, we were scared to death. You thought you were going to lose family members. And you know, at the time Tucker was six and a half hours away at school and um, it was scary. And we all had this hope that like, okay, we're going to get through this. And I even today, last year, I wrote something about a hope for a vaccine, mm-hmm. which funny a year later, you yeah. know, here we are. Uh, but people don't put their hope in Jesus like they should. People mm-hmm. do put their hopes in, in politics and people stand on all these different um, things that are so important to them and cause division. There's so much like just social injustice out there mm-hmm. and everyone has an opinion about everything. And I just think if you guys would keep your eyes on Jesus and see that this, this world is just this little blip, mm-hmm. um, the president we have right now or last time or whoever you don't like <laughs> is just here for a blip and Jesus is forever. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a small amount. And I keep my eyes focused on that when I'm, I don't even watch the news because yeah. everything's so terrible and everyone's so offended and I'm scared I'm going to say something wrong or do something wrong or offend someone and it's because people have their their focus on something else whether it be the government or whatever like fix your eyes on Jesus it Mm -hmm. sounds very cliche but fix your eyes on Jesus because we're going to get there one day and I hope that you know everyone watching this I see you there Mm -hmm. I hope that you believe in Jesus and I know some of you don't and I would highly suggest for you to at least investigate it what do you have Mm -hmm. to lose Mm -hmm. you know you hear that all the time like if I'm wrong then big no big deal but if I'm right it's a big deal for you and just keep your eyes on Jesus and I promise it'll just make your it'll make you more hopeful It'll help you overcome more things and it'll just make you such a better person. And yeah. we won't have all the bad things. In the news. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. What That's she said. Beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> what she said. Um, yeah. I, I have nothing more to add other than um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I hope that this has helped you if you're listening and we have to be continued with the Johnsons here to talk about much more in the fruit of uh, a lot of this grief that, um, that God has been doing and, and, in in the world, in the community, in children's hospitals all across. There's so much more that I'd love to share with our audience about. So thank you so much. If you're in a dark space, if you're grieving something, if you don't know if there's any sort of hope for you, I hope that what this conversation has maybe uh, illustrated for you is that, yes, there is hope. 
and that even the hardest things you could ever go through that 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 Jesus and God is not just some faraway thing that only cares about the really good things but he'll be he'll be right there with you in in the really uh, in the valley moments in the dark times and sometimes God won't give us answers but he'll be there like mm-hmm. his his word says he's uh, near to the broken heart the broken and contrite spirit I won't despise that's the God we serve that's wrestling with us through all the hard things and has hope for you in the future so hold on to it you'll be okay and uh, catch us for part two of this conversation we'd always love if you'd send us an email at the at, or sorry a podcast at the x.church <laughs> it's such a good conversation i can't even remember how you get a hold of us but uh, share like subscribe to this conversation and we'll see you next week